for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. It's good to be here. Um, I'm really excited this morning because this is the first time we, we've started gathering as a local church, um, which is great, loving that. And um, I'm really excited because it's the first time I'm out speaking somewhere to people that's not on Zoom or not pre-recorded. So thank you for being that. Thanks. Great. And hello to everyone online. It's good to see you. Good. Well, um, I just want to say before I start, before I introduce anything about myself, um, well, just one piece of context is lead a local church with a couple of friends called Life Church Lancashire. And uh, I just want to say, um, this week, I'm t- so I just want to talk to a congregation, anyone who's not one of the senior leadership team or whatever you call yourselves these days, um, is please, please, please encourage your senior leaders this week, this month, these coming weeks. I'm going to be honest, um, as, as a senior church leader, it is, we are making this up as we are going along. Um, more than ever, <laughs> literally like, it's like two steps ahead on the whole coronavirus thing. And um, there is a bunch of people that are incredibly tired and um, it's been an incredibly hard season for all of us. But particularly for those who are leading church, please encourage your senior leaders this week via a text. Um, I know you're not meant to talk afterwards, so find a way to encourage them this week. Build them up, encourage them. Please do that. Is that all right that I ask that? Um, yeah, I just thought it'd be a bit cheeky. Um, they haven't asked me to say that, by the way. Um, so, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, a few things you probably need to know about me. Number one, yeah, lead a local church, which is great. Um, I have an amazing wife called Marina. We got married on the 4th of July, the first day that you could. Um, we were due to get married in May. Um, and, um, you know, so you roll with it, don't you? Um, and uh, help lead an organization called Hope Together. And um, we've had a really exciting kind of lockdown and COVID period, if I'm honest. Um, not to like, there's been challenges, but actually it's been really exciting in terms of the opportunity we've had to help local churches and help Christians in the nation to think about how do they share hope in a time like this. You know, because we believe that it's, it's kind of that people need hope in an uncertain time. So we even wrote a book called Hope in Uncertain Times, um, just because we like, thought people need that. Um, and so we just want to encourage people that actually God is up to something. God is on the move. And I'm going to share a few stories today around what God's up to in our nation. And um, hopefully that encourages you. Um, and something else we, we did was we launched a website called Hope Spaces because we were doing some prayer space around the country in different places and encouraging churches churches do that and then coronavirus hits and it's like oh you can't go and like touch stuff and like engage with prayer and things like that in different places so we're like right we need a website we need a page and loads and loads of non-christians are like writing prayers christians and non-christians writing prayers and it's it's absolutely amazing to see what god's doing in the online space 
Um, but one thing we really felt nudged about, and, and, and it's kind of on the agenda, is mental health has been a conversation over the past few years, hasn't it? And we wanted to think a bit bigger about the whole well-being of a person. And so I want to tell you something that's really, really exciting that's happening. We're currently filming it um, called The Wellbeing Journey. And so I've just got a really short video clip. For those online, for those in the room, it's an audio clip. <laughs> So just, you'll just have to look. The Wellbeing Journey is an eight-part series where we look at every aspect of our well-being, from our mindset, emotional, physical, relational, spiritual, vocational, and financial well-being. Join us as we travel around the country in these minis, talking to teachers and experts to address every area of our well-being together. I think we've got another We're at the beginning of the most fantastic journey that you could ever go on. It's the well-being journey. Well-being is a massive issue in our society today. But the good news is that God has a plan for yours and my well-being. In the Old Testament, there's this word called shalom that can be translated as well-being in every area of our lives. Just like this mini has a dashboard, I like to think of our lives as having like a number of interrelated tanks and if you like a dashboard representing um, how we're doing in each of those areas physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, relationally, financially and vocationally. Let's embrace this series in such a way that we'll never be the same and it's the kind of thing that you can invite anyone to. Amazing to join us on the journey of a lifetime. Amazing. I wanted to share that because I just want to encourage you that um, the church is not a standstill. You know that because you, your church has been doing loads of things in your community. I've heard lots of stories, seen lots of things. But actually in the nation, God is up to something. God is on the move in the midst of very challenging times. And actually people are finding hope in uncertain times, which is incredibly encouraging. If you want to find out anything about the organization and all that, just head to the website. That would be cool. This morning, I want to bring a message called Anchored in Hope, and it's got nothing to do with the organization I work for, but actually hope, the word hope has existed way longer than that, obviously. You know, I believe that we all need hope right now. Maybe this week you are struggling, you are challenged by the recent further restrictions in this area. Well, can I encourage you this morning that Jesus has something for you this morning, it's called hope. And... Um, that, that is the message. So I could just stop there, but I've got some thoughts around it and um, where, where that comes from in Scripture. But that is the message this morning. God is our anchor in the storm. Hope is our anchor in the storm. In challenging times, God is unwavering no matter what happens. And hope is not this kind of funny feeling or this fluttering thought, but it's something that's steadfast and trustworthy, and it's from God. I don't know what you felt like you are running on in this season. If you think about like your, your tank, if you're like a not, a, not a piece of military equipment, but I mean like a, a car, like the tanks in the car. Or maybe if you're a runner, maybe you think about it. Whether you, what you felt like you're running on in this season. Maybe you feel like you're running on empty. That's what you feel like right now. Maybe you feel like um, you're, you're running just on like sheer willpower just to get through the day. Maybe you feel, actually, I feel really encouraged and empowered by God right now. 
whatever you felt like in this season. Maybe for you, some of the lockdown season has been, actually, it's been really refreshing. Maybe you were furloughed. Maybe you had more time to, to think and reflect and, and kind of do other things. Maybe for some of us, it hasn't been an all bad season. But can I encourage you today that whatever you've been doing, however you've stayed the course with God, however you've journeyed with God, however you've stuck with God, wherever you are online or in this room, that can I encourage you that faithfulness does not go unnoticed by God. And God encourages faithfulness because God is the God of faithfulness and it's in his nature. And so whatever you feel like you've been running on, can I encourage you to run on hope? to run on hope. I love what it says in Hebrews 12. We're just going to look at these two verses this morning. Hebrews 12, it says this. It's going to be, um, I think it might be on the screen for those online. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that scripture. Maybe you've heard that scripture before. But what I love first is, is that it's all about fixing our eyes on Jesus. That actually Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one who gives us hope. He'll be there at the start, middle and the end of our race. Right there with us. And uh, this, this, I want to unpack a scripture this morning. Think about what it is to run on hope. What it is to be anchored in hope. You know, whether you feel like right now you feel frustrated with the situation, I want to encourage you that, that the track is not always straight. There's bends and so on and so forth in this race called life. And there is newness and goodness around the corner as much as there are challenges that maybe we feel like are in front of us right now. As you can tell by looking at me, you, I am clearly a professional runner. It's, it's obvious. It's, it's, I mean, it is unbelievably obvious. Um, yet... You know, that's why you wear slightly larger clothes. I just convinced myself I'm still growing at 29. Um, it's like, to go up in the clothes sizes. Well, a few years ago, I was quite committed to running a few years ago. I would, um, when I say I was quite committed, I mean, I went to the park run three out of four Sunday, three out of four Saturdays. Um, and, and I might run in the week, you know, if KFC was shutting early or something like that. Um, and um, well, you think that's stupid, don't you? It's a drive-through. Why run? Um, and so... Um, I, I, I tore the meniscus in my, that's an actual thing, by the way. I didn't know that was a thing. Was, most of you will know that because you're all highly educated people. I, clearly not, didn't know that was a thing. Tore it in my knee, couldn't run for a while. And uh, so I was told by the physio I could go back and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, right, I'm ready to go. First part run, I was like right there, really excited, really pumped for it. And I just went for it and... Um, and I nearly got a personal best. So I was just like absolutely buzzing at the end. And then I looked down at my knee, and it's just like twice the size. And I was just like, hmm, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And uh, a few of my friends who do, do, do the part room with me, they were like, hmm, you should have probably taken that a bit easier. That wasn't probably the smartest thing, you know, 18 months out, and you come back and think you're um, some runner. I couldn't think of one. I was going to say Usain Bolt, but that's completely different to the part run. Uh, he clearly runs in much better conditions than the Burnley rain. 
But there's a thing, there's, there's a huge difference between hope and blind optimism. I ran the part running in a blind optimism, in a, oh, it's, it's, I'll just get back at it. You know, this is fixed and the arrest is good. Uh, maybe carrying a tiny bit of extra weight, but let's go for it. Um, and so there was a blind optimism. And I think sometimes we see blind optimism as hope. We see these two things together, but hope is something so much more, so much more than that. You know, when Jesus, when, when, um, as Jesus speaks, when we see it in the, in, the, in the Gospels, but also when we see his other red, red words, for, if your Bible's like that man is, throughout the, the, the other books in the New Testament, he's speaking hope. He's speaking words of hope. He's, he's, and he's lived a life of hope, and he died on a cross so that we could have eternal hope, and he rose from the dead so that we could have eternal hope. And so maybe for some of us, we might feel like we're running to earn hope. We're running to earn this thing Jesus got for us. But I would like to suggest that we are running propelled by hope. The hope that Jesus got for us propels us forward. Hope is this force that raised Christ from the grave. Because actually, if, if, he, um, if, if it wasn't hope that raised him from the grave, then what was it? Because actually, he promised that he would rise again. Rise from the dead, sorry. And it was hope that raised him from the grave. This power from God. It's not just a fuzzy feeling. It's not just something we feel on a birthday. Hope is not this treadmill with a donut at the end or a carrot or whatever gets you going to run to the other end of a treadmill. That's never ended and we don't ever gain it. It's not that. Hope is something so much more. It's this fuel for the journey. It's our anchor in the storm. It's what God has gifted us. It's what raised Christ from the grave. So how does this hope work itself out as we run? I've got a few thoughts around this. The first one is this, is about focused hope. Is that actually what we see in this scripture in Hebrews 12 is that it says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we focus on just when we focus on gaining hope, when we focus on gaining something, it's very consumeristic, isn't it? But actually, what, what the Bible says is focus on the giver of hope, Jesus. You know, because if I, if I think to Jesus, hey, I just want some hope. Right now, I need some hope. Well, if you want to find hope that lasts longer than a few minutes, that's maybe a nice feeling that we've branded hope in our heads. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on him because he is the giver of hope. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he enables us to start living at a new level because hope is the thing that enables us to do that. Hope bears fruit in our lives. And when we fix our eyes on him, we put our hope in Jesus. We're reminded to actually, actually put our trust in him. Trust in him for what he's got for us. Trust in him for what he is about. And actually, then we are anchored in him. I love that Jesus is the example of what it is to focus. Jesus was focused when he went to the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus didn't necessarily want to. When he's in the garden and he's so stressed, he's sweating blood. He's saying to Father God, he's saying, take this away from me. But he focused, he fixed his eyes ahead on what was before him. The thing that was going to bring us hope. He was determined to do what was necessary. The things that got in his way, like one of his mates chopping some guy's ear off and a bunch of other challenges along the way. But he focused so that we could have hope, so that we could have life in all its fullness. 
Imagine if Jesus hadn't focused. He's the example of that. So when we talk about focusing on him, he's the example of that. And then I love what it says in verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was the one willing to do it all, to bring us hope, to give us hope that is everlasting, to give us hope that is steadfast. And then I love what it says in um, in verse 1, because when we think about focusing... It's like, it feels very, um, maybe when we talk about focusing, it sounds quite individualistic, doesn't it? Maybe sometimes, maybe that's what conjures up in your mind. When you're like, I'm focusing on this thing. But what if, like, together we were focused on Jesus? It's not individualistic, it's interdependent. We are encouraging each other to focus on Jesus. It says in verse 1, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Some people believe that is those who, those who are Christians who are now not living um, as you know, who are dead, because uh, that's the opposite of living. Um, but uh, you know, those are the kind of people that are surrounded. That's what that cloud of witnesses. Or is it each other cheering each other on? Whichever way you look at it, we're not in it on our own. We're not in it on our own, focusing on Jesus running this race called life. Actually, there's a great group of people around us. Those who've gone before us, those who've lived this out, those to encourage us, those right next to us. Those who know what it is to run on empty and know what it is to run on hope. We're not the first people in the world, shock horror, to face a big challenge on planet Earth. And that doesn't make our challenge any smaller or any lesser. But I think it opens our eyes to see actually there are people that have gone before us that show us examples and patterns of what it is to live for Jesus in challenging times. You know, I, I was so encouraged um, the other, the, a, few, a few months ago. Um, I was going to say when we were, but we still are, running all our small groups online in the life of our church and one of our young adults groups. Um, I think I had seven or eight regular people in it, which was really encouraging. And they said, we're not just going like, to keep doing what we're doing every week because like, in our rhythm of our church, we like, do invitational nights once a month, or we used to, in our small groups to kind of encourage people to bring people and so on and so forth. And they said, well, we're going to do that even on Zoom. So I was like thinking, okay, how are you going to do that? So they organized a quiz night, really simple. And then towards the end of it, someone shared their testimony from the group, uh, the story of what God's done in their life. Great, amazing, then encourage people to ask questions, connect with people personally, one-to-one over what's happened, so on and so forth. Well, they had 19 people rock up on this thing, and they intentionally brought people. It wasn't just this thing that was marketed out there to anyone. It was all the people they brought, and I was really encouraged by that because actually they said, together we can do something. Together we can help bring people together to experience hope, to engage with what God is up to. And so actually, sometimes when we feel like we're on our own, I was so encouraged by that because the group encouraged each other. And afterwards, it was amazing because the the small group stayed on the Zoom after all their friends had gone. And the encouragement kind of culture that was in that space was so brilliant because they were just cheering each other on. Well done. The WhatsApp was buzzing afterwards because they were cheering each other on. They were around each other saying, we're in this together. We're focusing on Jesus. We're helping people to experience hope. And what I also love about focused hope is it, it shifts our attention. I, lo- I love in verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Ooh, heavy. Distractions come in life. It's not just for people with ADHD. <laughs> we all get distracted, right? 
Maybe you're going to sit here and tell me, nope, never get distracted. Cool, you've been distracted already because that's not what I'm talking about. Um, that actually we get distracted in life, don't we? But do we get distracted to the point that it steals our hope? Do we get distracted to the point where it robs us of our hope? You know, sometimes our thoughts in our mind, and I'm going to be completely honest, I've had some of these thoughts over the last eight months. They've, my, some of my thoughts have robbed my hope. Because there's been points where I've gone, this, there's, there's thought patterns and journeys in my mind that have gone on and just taken that hope away. They've taken that focus away for a moment. I've, just, I've had to go, hold on a second. Hold on a second. My mind, I'm in charge of my mind. And I'm going to take control here and bring leadership and say, actually, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm struggling to see hope in all of this. So actually, all I've got is I'm just going to focus on Jesus. And the outcome is that then hope was like reawakened. Whatever language you want to use, hope was re-realized that was there because I focused on Jesus. And I know so many people have probably done that in this season. Before we let our thoughts run away with our hope, before we let our thoughts steal our hope. And even if then we, we fall down and we, we fall over, kind of scripture talks about being entangled, but it doesn't really talk about what happens when you fall over. Well, actually the Holy Spirit comes alongside, helps get, pick us up, helps us go again, helps us to focus on Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't send us back to the start. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 pounds. Comes alongside, picks up where we are and says, come on, let's focus on Jesus. Let's go again. So whatever challenges you faced in this season, allow God to help pick you up. Allow God to come alongside. Because he's there already. It's whether we choose to reach out to him or not. I think sometimes maybe we feel like God's not here for me. God's not in this dark valley with me. God's not in this space. And when I look back at my own life, I go, oh yeah, he was there. I just didn't ask for help. I didn't turn to him or I chose not to see him because I was consumed by my thoughts around that thing. And so when we look up, actually he's there. He's the one that wants to pick us up, encourages, focused up, enables us to keep the author and perfecter of our faith front and center. Because actually, at times like this, I don't know about you, but I've just felt like, Jesus is all I've got right now. Jesus is all I've got right now. And I need to focus on him. Because whether I have stuff or things around me in life, you realize at times like this, that stuff just doesn't matter as much, does it? And so I actually, I want to encourage us, allow to focus on him, allow the Holy Spirit to come alongside. And then what I love about Jesus is he, he brings a consistent hope. He's not just like fleeting or like, here's some hope, I'm going to run away now. But actually Jesus is right there. He's consistent. We waver, we change our minds, we change our moods, right? Or just me? <laughs> right? That's us. That's, that's, that's human beings. I love that Jesus doesn't, doesn't do that. You know, for me, I don't know about you, but the most inspiring people living for Jesus aren't necessarily the people like the best preachers or worship leaders or whoever. It's the people like in their 80s and like just loving Jesus, still following Jesus, still at it. You know, one of my biggest inspirations growing up in the life of this church when I was a teenager, a guy called Ray. Some people remember Ray. Yeah, there's a few nods. If you didn't meet him, he's a legend. And uh, one thing Johnny got us to do when, when Johnny was our youth leader, 
So, I don't know. How long ago was that? You must have been a teenager yourself, <laughs> if you're my youth leader. Uh, I'll be generous. Um, that he, he paired us up with, with kind of older people in the life of the church. And, and, and to be honest, I say people in their 80s, I don't actually know how old Ray was. You guys might remember, I don't know. He, 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 when I was a teenager, he felt like he was really old to me. And he, and he was a really great guy. And I loved that I got to pray with Ray because what it instilled in me that when we pray together, like on a Sunday, like after the service or those kind of things, or like I went around and saw him and helped him with his garden or things like that, we connected. Um, the thing was, was that I realized, ah, this is the goal. Not to like just become Ray, but just to still love Jesus when you're that age. To still love Jesus when life has thrown all it's thrown at you. You know, I can think of other people in their 80s that inspire me in that way, including my own dad. But actually, there's people in the life of our church that inspire me. You know, people who are on their, like, I can think of a gentleman in the life of our church. He's, he's on his third marriage because his two previous wives died of cancer. So much of the things that happen in his family, and he's still faithful. He's still, I still love Jesus. I'm still passionate about Jesus. I'm, I'm not just passionate about Jesus, I'm passionate about people finding Jesus. I'm excited about that, and I'm 86 or however old he is. For me, that, that's inspiring because it's people that have gone, Jesus is always there for me. I'm going to be faithful in this journey, in this walk, and actually realizing that Jesus provides this constant hope, this consistent hope, this hope that doesn't fail. I love, um, some of you will know the scripture in, in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Great. So Jesus is steadfast. Jesus is stable. Great. I think, think we can all probably agree on that. Jesus is the one we look to in all seasons, all this kind of thing. Jesus is the perfect example of what it is to be human. As he walked the earth, that's his, that he is the example we should follow. But then, if Jesus is always the same, does he not like change? Has anyone read that scripture and just gone, hmm, maybe just me. Maybe you're like, I don't like when people ask those kind of questions. <laughs> Because it messes with what I think. But I ask those kind of questions. But if he's always the same, does he not like change? Jesus is the same. So Jesus is steadfast. Jesus is anchor. Jesus is the consistent. But Jesus is the one who brings transformation and change to our lives. So is it that Jesus changed or is it our understanding of Jesus changes? I'd like to suggest the latter. That actually Jesus is the one who brings change. Uh, it says in uh, Hebrews 1, it says this, In the beginning the Lord laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens and the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them out like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. But you will remain the same and your years will never end. Talking about God. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is never superseded. In the words of Beyonce, Jesus is irreplaceable. So some of you are now hooked in because I've mentioned Beyonce. You're like, before that, it was okay. Jesus is the one who brings change. Jesus is the one who is consistent, and he is consistent in bringing change. You see, there's not a separation. Jesus isn't the same and... That doesn't mean stale and unchanging. 
what he, Jesus is the same yesterday, same forever. And what he's been up to since the since beginning, before we were even created, is bringing change, bringing restoration, bringing redemption in our world right now. Jesus isn't changing, but he is bringing hope-filled change. And I think that's what we need to understand about the consistency of Jesus in all who he is. And on the other side of the coin, Jesus is that consistency when the world throws all sorts of change at us. Jesus is the one who sticks with us. Jesus is the one who is there right beside us. Whatever world we think we're living in, world A in March, (laughs) world B, whatever that was, and maybe the world we're going to, world C, and whatever hybrid environment we're going to live in. Jesus is the one who's consistent. Jesus is the one who's always with us. Jesus is the the one who's right there. And as I finish, um, maybe the band can come come and join. It would be great. Two final thoughts. There is a new hope for us. So we have a focused hope. We focus on Jesus. Jesus is that consistent hope. But there is also a new hope. As we run this race... I used to think when I read this, this scripture in Hebrews 12 about running this race, fix your eyes on Jesus. I always imagined Jesus at the end of the track. You know, I'm quite pictorial. I always kind of read that and imagined Jesus at the end of the track. But I think as, as I read it more and as I think about it, yes, he's there. But he's also next to us at the same time because he's Jesus. So it's like he can be in as many positions as he wants. He's like the ultimate footballer. He's just like he can, he can play every position you know, so he's like right there with us, but he's also ahead of us. He's the one cheering alongside us by his spirit, but he's also, I think, the, the lead runner. He's the pace setter. Whether you've done part run or any other form of run that's not just like running to the shop, there's usually like a pace setter, or there's people that like help you run at a certain speed. If you want to run this in 26 minutes, follow this guy because he's got a 26 on his back. Doesn't always work that, by the way. You've got to pick the guys with the correct numbers. Um, but actually, he's, he's that person for us. He's the one who already knows the track. He's leading us into a future. And as I mentioned before, sometimes there's things around the corner. And sometimes when we talk about, oh, what's around the corner, it sounds quite negative, doesn't it? But what if we thought about it in a different angle? What if we thought, actually, there's something new around the corner? There's new levels of hope to experience. I love what it says in Isaiah. It says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Why don't we just call lockdown wilderness? (laughs) But Jesus is doing a new thing, new hope to be found, new opportunity to step into. You know, Solomon in his arrogance says there's nothing new under the sun. In his arrogance, he says that. Because Jesus clearly is doing a new thing all the time. Jesus is up to a new thing. It says right there what God is up to. He is doing a new thing. God is doing new things. He has new things around the corner for us. And sometimes we don't expect them. You know, one thing that I've really been encouraged by, and I know it was back in April. Do you remember that? It was a month in this year. It doesn't feel like there was months this year. The weather sort of tells us there is. But um, back in um, April, Tear Fund did a piece of research which said 44% of people in the UK, adults, have been praying. That's encouraging. I think, um, the, I think it was in the Guardian post of this. This isn't political. Read whatever newspaper you want. Um, one in four adults in the UK had attended an online church service in April. How encouraging is that? There is hope. Now, 
you can look at whatever statistics have been since then, but that is encouraging. And a lot of them were young adults. God is up to something in our nation. And for some of us, maybe we feel like we've been on the bench in this season. We feel like we've been left out. But I want to encourage us that actually God wants to do a new thing in and through us. God wants to help to empower us to make a difference in this season, to do a new thing. And the final thing is this, maybe just as Johnny begins to play, is that there is a hope rising. I want to encourage you that there is a hope in you. And if you let it arise, if you let the Holy Spirit stir that in you, There's a hope in this church community for something more. There's a hope in this town because Jesus is present by his church. That actually, if we let it, there is a hope rising in our nation. Yes, we need to follow the restrictions. Yes, we need to do that and honour the government in that way. But God isn't restricted by those things. God isn't hemmed in by coronavirus. His hope is ever-expanding, ever-experienced. And people are discovering it. And so as we run with Him, as we know that we are anchored in Him, as we know that we are um, strengthened in His hope, I want to read this final scripture. Romans 5, 3-5 says this. Maybe for you this is like, this is just a description of where you're at right now. But I hope the end is also. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Just as it says in Hebrews 12 that we run with perseverance, so it says there. This hope... This love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. But then it says right there, and this hope does not put us to shame. This hope does not put us to shame. Wherever we go, we're carrying that hope. If we're sat on our own at home, we've got that hope in Jesus and what he's doing. So can I encourage us, let hope arise. And if you're like, I'm really struggling to see hope, I'm really struggling to experience hope, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that gives us hope. He is the one that is consistent. He is the one that will give us new hope around every corner. He is the one that is encouraging us to let hope rise within us and therefore in the community around us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that we can experience your hope. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray that today you stir a new hope in us. Not because we need a new thing or the latest thing. Jesus, we don't want to treat you like Amazon. Jesus, we want to be reminded that your hope is everlasting. It's got a history and it's got a future and it's definitely got a presence, a present. And so remind us that when everything else seems to be shaking and moving and storms are around us, we are reminded that we have your hope and that we have you to fix our eyes upon. So whatever comes our way, We thank you for the consistency of your hope because it is unwavering, unchanging and unshakable. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Dan.